ultimately, you know, especially like I'm a combo practitioner also, especially when I'm serving medicine in a ceremonial way, I am just holding the space. I'm not doing anything. It's the medicine's job to do something. And I'm just like holding a clear, you know, protected, beautiful, clean space so that the person can go through their experiences in a, you know, like safe environment. And yeah, like, and I think it's with any practice, it's the, the ultimate goal. Like we're, we're, yes, like we are studying, yeah, we're studying to hold that beautiful space so that people can actually explore their own depth. Tatia Lights, welcome to the podcast. So happy to be here, Tracy. Thank you so much for having me. So we have known each other for several years now. We crossed paths in the city of angels, Los Angeles. It was in a teepee. In a what was for me, and I think for you too, a just a pretty potent and uh, transformational ceremony that really catalyzed. Um, a turn for us in both of our journeys and it's just been so beautiful to witness and walk along beside you as a sister um, mm. since that faithful mm. moment and in that in that time and so I, I was thinking we would just begin by you going into a little bit of your backstory your origin story how you sort <laughs> of started walking on the medicine path, as I call it sometimes, what drew you to this work uh, and go from there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, the origin story goes way back. Uh, but if I were to find a starting point um, uh, to how it started, um, for me, the medicine path and being on this um, beauty way, walking the beauty way, like hopefully... We can turn back and say that. Um, really, um, moving to uh, City of Angels, like you said, on my own when I was 21, and not really understanding, like, um, that was a point where I was, like, operating from my default of, like, run, run away from, you know, like, not feeling. So it was, um, you know, with the intention of really studying, yet... Um, Later in my journey, I recognized like how everything like unfolded and I ended up here on my own, like very young and courageously. So, so um, over the years um, of studying and working in um, really in escape, escapism, like most of the time, there was a moment, um, you know, Soon after I arrived to LA, where I would consider that as my awakening moment, um, as like, oh, like I, you know, traveled all this, all this, you know, like way, uh, only to end up with myself and I didn't, you know, like get rid of anything. I couldn't and I'm still here. So that was a moment. Uh, uh huh. Yet it wasn't like for me in, uh, you know, like we hear all this like transformational stories and okay, like from that point, everything changed for me. For me, it was like really, um, 
incrementally changing and I started getting into certain practices and um, um, breathwork, yoga, meditation to be exact. And then like that really opened up for me and um, a community of conscious individuals and certain practices. And I was so curious and curiosity for me was like one of the, one of the like intrinsic values so that like I was start, I was st studying the mind and the subconscious mind uh, like when I was in like towards the end of the high school and like my, when I started uh, college and university. So um, um, I was tapping into those realms yet, like not fully. I was curious, but like not fully going into it because of like all the pain that I'm actually I was really feeling. So through yoga, meditation, and certain breathwork practices and workshops and uh, a lot of reading and studying, I bit by bit started embodying and like later I understood like I was releasing a lot of somatic like trauma from my body, not knowing what I was really releasing, which was the greatest part. <laughs> and um, I remember a point in my journey, like from in the beginning, um, Oh, like everybody's talking about their, you know, like uh, parental issues and, you know, like background stories. Oh, like I think I have some like stuff with me. Maybe like if I do like a couple of breathwork sessions, I can get rid of them. And how naive was that? Well, here I am 15 years later, still, you know, like on the path of healing myself and learning about myself and I like enjoying this journey. So that's how it started for me and like, really curiosity and deep studies in a lot of different realms. All right. So sort of yeah. a pivotal, kind of a pivotal milestone was moving to Los Angeles at the young mm -hmm. age of 21. But a po that's sort of a yeah. potent kind of completion of a seven year cycle, you know, the age of 21 and then mm. um, and then recognizing mm -hmm. that, wow everything I was running away from is actually carried deeply within me. And the only way that I'm going to potentially transform my experience of reality is through this kind of yeah. this work. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so yeah, like it was, it was the, a lot of closing of cycles and really recognizing, but also, um, like not really understanding how deep my uh, like struggles and pains and all the traumas were going until I, you know, really got into the plant medicines, you know, like psychedelic journeys that opened up a whole, um, you know, realm of, you know, let's say rabbit hole, like, and it, it's, it's going deep and also really rewarding in uh, many ways. So that does seem to be sort of a common theme that I hear with a lot of people's um, sort of mm. healing journeys is just reaching a point where, you know, you, you can't run away anymore, sometimes hitting a rock bottom of sorts, and then really feeling maybe the pain of saying the same starts to be more than, you know, the pain of changing, but also, but also changing. being blissfully naive about how much gets uncovered in this process. And uh, you brought into the, uh, you know, this, this other tool of plant medicines and psychedelics. So what was your first journey with 
plant medicines or psychedelics and sort of what was the set, the setting, your intention going into that? <laughs> well, I didn't have an intention other than curiosity. And I was 15 years old in Turkey. That's where I'm from. And a um, bunch of like epic friends, um, really curious, bringing mushrooms from Amsterdam and trying it in the middle of Turkey. <laughs> So it was a really fun experience where um, I decided I'm never doing that again at the end of the night because it was a very long journey. <laughs> so that's how it started. Um, and then um, years after, I was always really curious about like so many different psychedelics and um, uh, in, you know, like LSD and mushrooms and um, like, uh, like the, also like party drugs, recreational drugs. So like really exploring my consciousness in that level and also sometimes like really using it to escape like what's happening in the, in the moment for me. So years later, um, deciding that Actually, like this, uh, I was going through a really interesting time in my life where everything was really the same. And uh, I was diagnosed with ADHD and I was using, um, you know, like prescription drugs for that. And that, that came to a point where I'm like, I can't really remember myself. Who am I? Like, it's just, you know, like physically really unhealthy because of like every day taking that specific thing. Yes, I am getting things done, looks like, but inside it was just like really drying experience for me. And um, like at the same time, simultaneously really challenging relationship. Um, and I said, I'm going to say yes to myself. And I actually went on a trip uh, into the desert with the uh girlfriend of mine then my yoga teacher and my you know like you know we were walking the path of healing together then and that was the experience where I decided a lot of things and that was a really beautiful opening for me where I came back and implemented and integrated all my learnings of that like journey immediately and started like really changing the trajectory of my life and I think that was like uh, me um, saying yes to myself and really choosing myself and really understanding, okay, like this, I have practices, but this gets to be really integrated in all aspects of life. And um, how it seemed to me then was like all my life was, you know, like in different segments and like, and separated. And that's a, that used to be the common theme of my life, like really either this or this, or do I do this? Am I here? Like am I in Turkey? Am I in the United States? So, so like really intentionally bringing everything together in the journey. So that was the beginning of it. And so it was kind of that one. So you'd had these mind expanding experiences before sort of more maybe recreationally, as people say, or really out of curiosity. Mm -hmm. I think that's a lot of I mean, that was initially my actual intention going into my first ayahuasca ceremony even was just more yeah. curiosity than anything because I wasn't I wasn't going in with um, I was actually quite afraid of I knew I was carrying a lot more pain and trauma and mm. I wasn't quite ready to unpack that yet without kind of just mm -hmm. 
exploring that space and just seeing what it was about first. Um, but it does sound like, like at that, there was, that was a turning point where you maybe made the conscious decision to put this at the center of your life, whether you want to call it spirituality mm. or healing work or what, what have you, but um, maybe consciously putting that at the center as opposed to maybe putting your relationships or career or something at the center. No, spirituality is, or, you know, healing is this thing I do kind of on the side. Yeah. But there, there maybe came a point where that became kind of the center of the, of the wheel and everything else became spokes, would you say? Exactly. Honestly, like, I think my spirituality, I have been really spiritual, like, since really early ages, I had like interesting experiences where after in life, later in life growing up, like I actually closed that like connection. Yet um, spending a lot of time like in solitude, like I actually had that like beautiful connection. I was always really spiritual, always really interested in like meditating and all that. Yet healing was not the center point. Like, so I think once healing and really understanding myself and learning, oh, like there's like this depth within me. Like I think plant medicine and psilocybin specifically back then opened that depth. Oh, wow. Like it's not only like one dimensional and it's not only this, it's not only that. And there's just like so many different ways. And there's this beautiful depth that I can explore within myself um, became the center point. So like really becoming that, you know, person who constantly like explores the depth, like inst instead of out, like I started like really turning mm -hmm. inward. So in what ways did your sort of your everyday life start to, you know, how did your everyday life sort of look before going into that phase? And then how did you integrate now that you have this insight, this realization, this desire to mm -hmm. shift your priorities, how then did that kind of manifest in your everyday life after that? Mm. So my everyday life, I think I like discipline, I thrive in discipline. And that's like really one of the things that I really love about myself, like from really early ages. And I take on something and I do it. And I think like this, like really masculine qualities that I, um, you know, like just really almost mastered <laughs> closing my heart though. Like that's a different detail. Um, it's like moving to a different country on my own as a woman. It's like, it just became this like, okay, I say something and I keep my promise to myself first. So like really becoming a parent for myself. And my day to day was always started with like practices. Since I started yoga, uh, I like first thing in the morning, I had to do yoga. That was my thing. So like my morning practices go way back, like into the beginning of like how I started. And that kind of built around like the entire meditation practice. My, my meditation, like regular meditation practice came later uh, in life. And once that started, it started becoming this like beautiful center point of my day. And it didn't, it wasn't easy to actually cultivate that. Um, like with the busyness of life and I, 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 
am an entrepreneur. So like, I, you know, like running a business as a woman, like uh, all of that. So it, to cultivate a meditation practice was not the easiest yet. Like I was like, okay, we're going to sit here. Even if we can't do anything and be successful, we're going to do that. And, and there were times that I was really hard on myself <laughs> uh, to get that down. And sometimes it was a, you know, like a thing like I had to do. Like it wasn't because like I love to do. Like there were days like I was just forcing myself to do that. So like, you know, a lot of like of softening right now into my practices, a lot of um, learnings as we sit, as we, you know, cultivate that relationship within. So and right now, uh, my practice became my life. Like really, you know, like everything is a practice. Everything is intentional. Like everything is unfolding with like prayer and uh, a certain, you know, like breath and like really being really conscious and uh, intending to be consciously present <laughs> as much as I humanly can. Yes, yeah. exactly. While allowing yeah. for the human yeah. parts of ourselves. <laughs> um, okay, so it sounds like a morning practice, mm. just starting with the consistency and the commitment, the devotion to a morning practice, which as you say, is that sort of cultivating that more masculine side of our faculties, showing up when we maybe don't feel like showing up that that was the anchor point to your day and kind of the way that you enter, you know, it, it, in a way I think of it as um, really building the confidence mm -hmm. and the account of self accountability. Yeah. Like if I set this intention and I show up and I do it and I'm doing that consistently over time, mm -hmm. the, that sort of feedback that we get to receive by showing up for ourselves in that way mm. when nobody else is mm. holding us accountable for that can really be a, a potent and beautiful way to um, then start to apply that to maybe other areas of our life where we're looking to manifest sometimes significant yeah. change and take and also take on sometimes pretty big risks on ourselves as we maybe go against the flow of our prior conditioning or what society hmm. or our families expect of us. And so building that confidence is key. And then morning practices is a beautiful way to do that. What does your morning practice look like these days? Well, it is very flexible these days. Um, I think I have an hour, 15-minute meditation that... Um, I like really intend to keep and if I don't do that like you know like my teacher comes into my dreams and like brings me into the practice yet yeah, a really silent practice and uh tuning into my heart is like the main uh practice and then these days what my teacher one of my teachers call the book ending which is the really like connecting with the inner child, like first thing in the morning and like opening your heart before opening your eyes. And then really ending the day with that, like, okay, like, you know, connecting with the inner child. So really bookending the day with like connection with that child is one of the works that like, it's constantly coming up for me. And like, I like really love integrating into my mornings and the evenings. So connecting with the inner child and then you know like different physical practices depending on the days and um 
these days I work with cacao, so like really sitting in silence and listening and opening my heart. So it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a dynamic, like, and you really understanding, like, as we learn ourselves and like, what do I need today? What does my body need today? So like, instead of like, so for me, learning to soften my gaze towards myself, like, which was the intentions like this year for me, instead of like, that disciplined and, you know, like forcing, okay, like, what do I need today? Like, how can I support myself today? with my practices, because now over the years, I have cultivated all these different ways in which that I can support myself so that which one do I need from the toolbox today? Right. Yeah. Totally. Mm. And it, you know, we are these dynamic creatures and always responding to our environment or a particular time in our life. And I, I too have softened in my practices. I, I did start out also really disciplined because I think that's what I was craving mm-hmm. um, at the time in my life. I call it monk mode, where when I was, you know, felt like my external world, especially when I was in surgery training, just felt really chaotic. And I was, I never knew what I was going to be facing in the day, could, which could be really intense. Um, for me, my morning practices or just daily practices, I didn't always do it first thing in the morning cause, because my days would sometimes start really early. Um, but on a regular cadence, I, I was pretty strict about it because it felt like my refuge, mm-hmm. my sort of inner sanctum at a time when it when I had less control over, you know, my external circumstances. Um, but really having a, a regular practice now, I, I think of it as bringing into balance, mm-hmm. like where do I feel like I'm coming out of balance and how can I um, use my practices to come into balance. And so that requires a varied toolkit. Mm. You know, sometimes we we need the practices that cultivate the, the more masculine faculties, mm. the discipline and the focus and the, the strength of will and that sort of thing. Um, but then the other practices that allow us to soften into our more feminine faculties are also vital as well. And um and so I, 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 that really resonates with me, how you, how you talk about softening more now and adding some flexibility to I, it. Yeah, like flexibility is, I think, like it's really important. Like if, you know, like if you're actually like studying balance, you know, like what is, what is, the, you know, like what is, like you said, like what is it that is going to bring me into balance in my, you know, being today? And so much happening, especially you have kids. Yeah, I mean, like you have a kid and you soon. And, you know, like for you, like it's also like tuning into so many things at the same time. And for me, it's like, okay, um, cultivating and practicing also like really my work is to um, open and hold these spaces for people. So how can I bring myself into this place so that I can hold that space from that uh, beautiful balance and open heart and instead of like being like really strict with myself and like you said I think like it's in the beginning of our journeys to teach ourselves I think that is a great way and um, but right now that's you know whatever is working for us like we are more uh, you know it, we, ha- we have more depth right now within ourselves and within our practices I think totally and Actually, you mentioned with your work these days, can you share a little bit more about your, you know, you described yourself as an entrepreneur running a business. Mm. Can you share more about 
your work and what that looks like? So um, my entrepreneurship is still continuing. Um, yeah, uh, what has opened up for me within the years of like, especially after I started uh, my healing journey and started opening my heart and specifically after I started working with um, ayahuasca, um, the the industry that I was working in and I was uh, designing textiles and um, you know, I have, I have an MBA and like, I thrive, like I love business and I like, you know, I love thinking business and all of that. And I love that part of me. Uh, yet, um, when I was really studying with ayahuasca and went into deep and like, there was this point in my life, is this like where I want to be in the go, 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 go of life? And, you know, like constantly advertising in like South, 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 like all of that. Do I want to be there? And there was something else like really calling me into my studies. And I was really recognizing the deep desire to share my journey with people. And for me, uh, there was like a lot of, um, you know, not really trusting myself and my channel and um, my voice and all of that, like back then. And I had to go back to school. So, oh, in order for me to talk about like all the things that I have done, like, you know, like all learned through uh, philosophies of like Eastern philosophies or, um, you know, like medicines or what, what not, like I had to had a background, like in order to speak about it, like that was what I, you know, like was I was believing, which supported me along the way. Like I, you know, I love, um, you know, going back to school and being constantly a student. Um, so I went back to school to learn so many different modalities that then and uh, while continuing my business. So that was the like the foundation for me to really learn, like study and continue my healing journey, and then uh, ultimately start my own practice of healing. So um, there's so many different modalities that I work with, and I started with uh, clinical hypnotherapy, and then um, like um, studying neurolinguistic programming and somatic trauma therapy, and um, I was like, I, I always forget, but like, there's like, a, and I started studying breath work. And for me, that was actually like the shadow part of me really, um, oh, I'm not enough was playing out like in that realm. So, oh, I'm not enough. Like just, if I only know this, it's not going to be enough. So I need to learn all of this. So I went on this like binge studying where I, like, I, I had a point in my life where, huh, okay, this is what I'm doing. And maybe, you know, like recognizing that finally. So, and then that was a point where I started really integrating all my practices and also like really mastering it instead of like constantly chasing to learn something and from a place of like not feeling enough. And then actually going into those parts of me, recognizing, you know, like myself and like really... Uh, acknowledging myself, learning to trust myself in my medicine. Uh, it, it, it's a journey, like for all of us, I think, like really finding our voice and uh, 
oh, like this is my calling, but am I good enough to do that? You know? So, and you know, like, I think this question is like, so uh, familiar to a lot of people, like, you know, doing, um, serving in this way. So your work now primarily consists of coaching either in groups mm. um, or one-on-one, both virtual and some in-person yeah. work, yeah. Uh, some uh, more sort of talking, conversational base, but also ceremonial and, and incorporating the modalities that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But I think you speak to something that really will resonate with a, potentially a lot of people in the audience and I you know m- me included but um, you know for those of us who love being in the student the learning uh, role that we can fall prey to that yeah, being an expression of unworthiness mm-hmm. or um, inadequacy and um, you know if I just get one more you know in med- in you know modern medicine I see it sometimes with like you know, I just need one more fellowship or one more certification, and then I'll be exactly. able to speak to this. Exactly. <laughs> and um, and that that can be a never-ending process. And I see people go into considerable debt in that process. And then and <laughs> you know, at a certain point, we get to really practice and master that which we learned, yeah. which you just explained exactly so beautiful to really take a pause and look because. You know, like I even when I was continuing my studies and like really understanding that like healing from a holistic perspective. So right now when I actually study something or or like really willing to learn something. So right now I'm still continuing studying yet looking at, okay, like what is the drive underneath and also how is it going to support my existing practice? And um, so, like, how is it going to support my clients? Like, if this this area of um, you know, like, study. So, because I think, like, to be a great teacher, and I'm not saying just you know, like, but we get to be really great students. Like, so that's really important, and we're going to be constantly students. So, yet, yeah, in my in my experience, like the clients that I attract usually like, you know, like have certain experiences that I have actually worked through within myself. And then I get to hold space for those. And it's it's a really, really beautiful, um, rewarding uh, experience to be able to walk the path and really like holding space, like because ultimately you know, especially like I'm a combo practitioner also, especially when I'm serving medicine in a ceremonial way, I am just holding the space. Like I'm not doing anything. It's the medicine's job like to do something. And I'm just like holding a clear, um, you know, protected, beautiful, clean space so that the person can go through their experiences and in a, you know, like safe environment. And yeah, like, and I think it's with any practice, it's the, the ultimate goal. Like we're, we're, yes, like we are studying. Yeah. Like we're studying to hold that like beautiful space so that people can actually explore their own depth, you know? So that's like one of the ways in which that I work in one-on-one um, and group set and settings and, you know, like different programs, different um, trajectories that I take people. And uh, yeah, that's how I work these days. I've received so many questions mm. about combo just mm. from friends or acquaintances 
And I always mention you, my friend, who you're the person I'm closest with who works with Combo. But can you share more about Combo for somebody who's maybe new to learning about mm. it and, and really from a beginner's mind kind of perspective? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a big conversation, but in a nutshell, C Combo is a um, frog uh, by Medusa tree color frog. It, it's a tree frog in the from the Amazons. And um, it, it's um, there's I work closely with Matze tribe and there's Yoanavas. They also like really closely work with this medicine. Um, and there is eight biopeptides that already exist in human body um, that the secretion of this frog carries. So. What we do, and usually people say, oh, this is a frog poison. We're poisoning ourselves. We're not actually really poisoning ourselves. We're actually activating these biopeptides for the healing purposes. And uh, traditionally in the jungle, it is used for so many different reasons. I personally went and like actually experienced it with the Matzes in the uh, Peruvian Am Amazons. And... Um, like even little children, like for and during um, COVID, they actually mentioned they were using it almost daily, and uh, to for 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 the tribe members. And it's you. It is traditionally used before the um, hunting experiences. So what it does, what you know, like what it says, it's that it does. It's like you take it takes away the the smell, like the sense sense of the human, so that like the the animals won't actually smell the human, so they can actually like hunt better at night. And so that's one of the things it does. Yet, like it brings a lot of clarity to the mind. So there's a thing called like panea, like almost like procrastination. It would translate or like the cloud in the the mental cloud. So it cleanses that mental cloud. So it brings really beautiful, clear energy. So it works on the energetic level as well as it goes into the lymphatic system and, you know, uh, collects all the heavy metals and uh, toxins. And then there's this whole process of like drinking certain amount of water, opening the um, we call it gates, um, the lymphatic system with like the burning the first um, layer of the skin and then opening the lymphatic system so that the medicine discretion can um, flow through the stream. And then um, we can have the experience and it's a very fast um, activating um, experience. And it doesn't go more than like 25, 30 minutes. And um, I'm not going to say it is the easiest experience and it's not psychoactive. It definitely has like this amazing, beautiful spiritual aspect to it, especially um, I started tapping into like when I started like having a, I don't know, like almost like two, three years after I started tapping into this like space um, in the experience, whereas everything is pitch quiet and it's like, uh-huh, you know, I love that space in combo. And um, it creates uh, a lot of beautiful resets and cleaning and a clean energy. Um, there's different ways in which that we um, uh, apply, like to the meridians, like the uh, the um, 
the Chinese medicine, like the meridians, um, meridian therapy or the chakra therapies. There's um, uh, international combo association. They have their certain ways in which, which I'm also trained with them. Uh, like it's closer to the Western way of doing things instead of the jungle. Jungle is like they don't really even, you know, screed in the medicine. They put the frog sometimes in certain places in the jungle to the the burns. So, yeah. And um, the one of the ways in which that I'd like to also speak into when we're talking about combo, um, especially like when in, in, in you know, Western societies, we, are, we find when we find a solution about something, we, we go all the way. Oh, this detoxes us. Like, and, you know, like this is my responsibility as a combo practitioner to really speak into that. Um, so it's like using the medicines for like, you know, very frequently, forgetting especially this is an animal and um, also like being in a dualistic world and, you know, thinking about like, yes, tribes, we want to support them. We want to work with them yet there's also the greed aspects of it like oh you know like there's there's this duality of energies where we are consuming more than we need and uh, that also brings a lot of um, danger to these species that are here to really support us in our evolutionary process so um, really understanding how it gets to be used. So for me, I specifically went to jungle to speak with the uh, frog, which may sound really weird to people who are not like communicating interspecies, like within, you know, like with different species. Yet, um, you know, this animals have consciousnesses and we tap into them. <laughs> so I wanted to, you know, really um, explore if I am the um, part of the problem or part of the solution by serving this medicine on a regular basis. And um, I went there, I meditated, I sat with the tribes people and learned their ways and uh, stayed with them. And then I finally got an opportunity uh, to meet with the frog. Um, and uh, at a nighttime, these nocturnal animals. So um it was a really significant moment of, as a practitioner and then like as a person who's really connected to this frog. Um, so my intention was like, okay, show me. So I actually witnessed how they're harvesting the medicine, which was, you know, I'm not going to say like it was easy to watch. Yet they were, uh, you know, like disturbing the frog from the nose so that the frog can have some discomfort so that like, you know, the release the secretion so that we can have the medicine. Um, towards the end, they wash and they sing for these animals and like it's a whole thing. It was really beautiful to really see because um, in the matzes, combo is the only medicine they work with. So they, it's like a really important, you know, part of their culture to sing and to take care of these animals and to listen to their songs at night oh they're out or so um, for me in my inquiry uh i asked the frog and then i had a dream that night um and then walking the next day walking out of the um, jungle four hours i had a full-on download about how to serve this medicine and how to take care of this medicine so um, it is not like 
yeah, let's come and come together and detox. It's more like a rite of passage moment, uh, like really um, using the power because there's like a lot of good power and strength and uh, fire in this medicine uh, and use it, using it like when necessary. So like I'm really being, um, uh, you know, discerning when I'm actually serving combo with my clients and when they, where they are in their lives and uh, what's happening. So like there's like a whole um, inquiry and exploration when it comes to combo. That was going to be my next question, which is sort of when do you recommend that somebody sit for a combo ceremony? Mm. What might they need be moving through or struggling mm. with? what obstacles or blockages, that sort of yeah. thing. So there's different protocols, like with, um, you, you know, like even bigger, like cancer patients. I, I did work with like uh, bigger stuff like that. There's whole protocols. Yet I believe uh, like really understanding the intention of the participant is really important. Um, there's so many different ways in which that it can create beautiful cleaning, like maybe if like cleaning the residues of like drug usage or, um, or, you know, like for me emotionally, when I say rite of passage, it can be through a divorce or a loss of a, you know, loved one, really moving through this big kind of experiences, it may be really supportive and, you know, Every single person has a different, um, you know, like way of holding certain emotions and processing different emotions, really understanding and tuning and checking in with the medicine. Uh, I think um, I, you know, make a decision really. And usually um, since my intention and how I hold the medicine practice in my own practice I know when people come to me, it's time to serve the medicine. So also like really listen to the, you know, like their stories where they are within themselves. And it's usually from one point to another. And it's, um, um, yeah, it's, it's, I'm not going to say it's a really easy process. And if people are coming to that process, they, they may, you know, like go through, maybe going through something significant. Yeah, it's a, it's a physically demanding medicine from what I hear. Mm-hmm. I haven't sat with it myself uh-huh. yet somehow. I know there <laughs> will be a moment in the future with you and me, I know. Um, and so, you you know, it's not a decision to take lightly. Of course, I would say that with any mm-hmm. any sort of psychedelic or any of these plant or animal fungi medicines. Um, and so... And... And so typically people are moving through a threshold of sorts or a transition, exactly. it sounds like. And I would say the same thing with psilocybin. It's a wonderful medicine for support in that way, because in these in these transitional moments, there can be a lot of clouding with the ego. And these medicines have a beautiful way of clearing that mm-hmm. and bringing a clarity that we are really seeking in those moments. And I remember hearing a woman speak on that same property where we met um, over a Mother's Day celebration. Mm. And she was, um, she was a combo practitioner who used it with women who were crossing the maiden to mother threshold. I was just going to say, yeah. How it, yeah, it can be a beautiful medicine for preparing a woman before childbirth. 
because there are these aspects, like with so many of these medicines, of surrendering to the really strong physical sensations that can arise. Um, Combo yeah, also and- is a really beautiful medicine for womb cleaning and womb healing. And mm. in Turkey specifically, actually, last year, like uh, like in my, you know, motherland, like I did a lot of womb healing and like it, it was just like unfolding itself. So really witnessing and in the tribes, women hold this wisdom and they don't really actually share. So like to, before, before um, you know, getting, re- getting ready to hold a child. Oh, and also, like, sometimes it's for abortion they use combo. So there's a specific way of serving, and they're not really sharing with, um, you know, like the Westerners, but they hold a certain wisdom and way of using this medicine to uh, work in that way. Mm, that is so mm. fascinating. And that's how a lot of, I mean, that's how medicine was practiced for millennia, was by the women in the village. Mm. And yeah, there is so much that we don't know or have lost and and that we are reclaiming Mm -hmm. in these, in the process of reintegrating these medicines into our societies and in particular in Western societies, Mm -hmm. in modern societies. And um, I find it endlessly fascinating and I can, I can totally see how it could be supportive and on many different levels. You know, you mentioned that it's not just the the physical but the mental mm-hmm. and the emotional and that's like a spiritual level this medicine taps into the energetic yeah. level taps into all of that um i wanted to switch gears a bit because um what came to me as you're speaking mm-hmm. to i was remembering um fasting being a major modality that you practice with yourself mm-hmm. and um i remember you sharing with me you know, one of the days we were we were together in that little house, you were sharing um, uh, a fast that you were about to embark on. I think it was a pretty long water fast. I can't remember exactly. How it was sixteen. It was, it was sixteen days. <laughs> you were going for it. I remember that. That was actually my first water fast, um, and the most successful, I would say. And 15, 16 days was not the water fast. So like how I actually um, organized, first of all, I studied uh, a little bit and read an amazing book, like to really protect myself and like my body and also like support myself, like emotionally, spiritually, physically, and also knowing what's happening in my body on certain days. And I, we didn't have like fasting apps that then, you know, like that shows our rear in ketosis and this is what's happening in your body right now. We didn't have those. And, and um, so I was um, preparing myself like three days with juice fasting, like green juice, and then went into the 10-day water fast and then really easing into um, the um, after the water fast again with juice and soups and then uh, really going into like solid and bit by bit introducing. So it's a whole process. And usually actually um, with the fasting, it's um, the most important part, not the fasting part, but like really reintegrating food into our bodies is the most important. And I learned it the uh, hard way. Can can you share sort of the inspiration mm. for the fast, and then yeah, what were 
what were some of the insights you had? Mm. Like, how did that change your relationship to your body mm -hmm. and uh, and with food? It's interesting that this is coming up right now because I'm also uh, really getting ready to do a long uh, water fast. So how did it come to my, like, I did not know anybody really water fasting around me then. Yet it came to me in a meditation. And then after the meditation, I, I was listening to a channeling. Uh, a teaching and then they were talking about this like fasting and like um and then I'm like is this a message like is this what I'm receiving and also like it sounded really uncomfortable like what does that mean and like it, it you know like to not eat like for all those days like I, I'm in in a lot of different cultures studying like fasting is really part of the practices in, in so many different ways so I started really researching. I actually saw, like, you know, since the, uh, right after it started being in my field, I saw, like, really close friends. Uh, they were uh, in water fast as a couple and sharing their experiences. So I actually tuned into it and then um, got the book that I, I can recommend to anybody who's interested. And then really tuned into it and prepared myself. And intuitively, I knew this was the um, right decision for me in that moment and for my body, like that was it. And um, what I learned, um, what I learned is like, there's about myself and in my own personal uh, relationship with food and how I use food to numb also because um, there are so many ways in which I worked with so many different addictions, nicotine addiction and, you know, like drinking alcohol and being addicted to like anything it, like that like, instead of feeling. So like and then like in my healing journey, I didn't realize I was using food as that. So that was my first ah, like being hungry and craving is different things. And I did not know that like until... So, and in certain lineages, there's like certain diets and you take out certain things and then you use only one thing. So like basically just drinking beautiful spring water, I was really like tuning into the consciousness of water, the element of water and the water became like this beautiful teacher. And, you know, like when we spend 80% of our life force energy on a daily basis to digesting food, and when we don't have anything to digest in the body, there's this, all this energy and, and there's nothing to do. Like you're not eating, you're not doing anything. You're like, you can't go out to a restaurant to meet with a friend or anything. It's like, okay, what do you do? So I um, started like deepening my meditation practices. I remember like sitting four hours a day, like for a meditation like really exploring so uh it's been it's been an interesting journey and like you know like on the physical level that like a lot happens and then um you know like the fat around our organs and like really there's this certain level of vibrancy that you tap into when um we take out the food in our diets and I did like several uh after that every single experience is different almost like an ayahuasca ceremony you can never know like what's going to come up and also there's all this discomfort 
with the craving and, you know, like all the mental chatter, you're like you and your mind and, you know, like alone, like what do you do? So it's like a really beautiful opportunity to get to know ourselves on a deeper level when, when we um, go on a journey like that. And um, yes, we are talking about it, but like, just like the plant medicines and this kind of stuff is not like for everybody. And we need to be really careful, like going into this experience as I want to say. I was, I was just about yeah. to add I mean, that caveat. Um, and, and just to clarify, a water fast is where you're not eating any food. You're just drinking. Just drinking, drinking water. water. Yeah. Um, and yes, yeah, so this is not for, it's very specific where you are in your health, yeah. physical health journey too. And of course, if you have any history of um, any sort of eating disorders, which Honestly, I would argue the vast majority of young women, at least in our generation, when I when I speak to my friends, like the relationship with food is so distorted mm-hmm. in modern life. And we're so we're separated from the way we grow our food. And a lot of people don't even cook their own food anymore. We've undergone this, you know, industrial revolution in our food system, along with every other aspect of our lives. And so um uh, yeah, it's not, it's not, fasting is not a practice to enter into lightly. Um, but on the other, uh, what can be gleaned in that process, I would argue you potentially would not be able to glean in any other way that I've, I myself, um, you know, before I started having children. So I would say, you know, if you're a woman who is looking to enter into your childbearing years, you know, fasting is not something that you'd maybe want to be practicing with right mm-hmm. now because it can alter your hormonal hormonal cycles. And obviously, if you're pregnant or breastfeeding, you don't want to be engaging with it. Um, but before that time of my life, I was, um, we, you know, Mike and I would do water fast, but for 24 hours, 28 hours at a time, just experimenting with it. And I feel like I just got just a taste of what you're describing, and I'm very intrigued by it. Um, but it did, you know, first of all, the way that your other senses can come online, like your sense of smell or, you know, just your sense of touch, like all of that can become heightened when you take away the, uh, the sensation of taste when you're constantly mm-hmm, eating mm-hmm. all of the time. Um, so that was fascinating to experience, but also... Um, when you first start reintroducing foods, which I want to ask you more about because it sounds like you learned something in an interesting way after that. Um, but that first taste of food after going without it is elevated, heightened, just magnificent in a way that you never appreciated before. No. And so, um, and then also just the way that maybe foods that you richer foods or processed foods maybe that you would find yourself sort of subconsciously or unconsciously reaching for because trying to numb or distract mm-hmm. or some other um uh there's engaging with the food in a way outside of just purely nourishing your body that becomes glaringly obvious that, that is that you know like that's on your face and you know, every time it gets really, like, especially my first uh, practice, every time it got really uncomfortable, I would just, like, find myself in the front of the refrigerator. I'm like, okay, what am I doing here? 
And, you know, it's like really subconsciously as we do all these things and, you know, like when, when, um, you know, things get challenging a little bit or we we're in our minds and, and then, um, this kind of practices, it was just like so beautifully, um, in, you know, like on my face and I, I actually really worked with it and, um, the introducing food part is like really exciting actually. So I think my last one, this actually like the beginning of this year, like I entered the 2023 in a fast actually. So, but this was the first year I actually started eating um, like bone broth. So like really nourishing stuff. So I could totally feel my body receiving the nourishment. So really like also understanding how body works and how we receive and how it feels how good stuff feels in the body you know like after a long time of um not eating and not consuming anything becomes really obvious for us and it's a really big learning experience yeah food actually carries a vibration energy component Mm -hmm. too it's not just about the calories or the you know food as fuel um, or, or even just, you know, food as medicine, um, but also just the, the way that it m- can make us feel mm-hmm. and we channel the energy of the food. Um, and I think that's so lost in our modern day cultures. Um, and, and fasting is a, yeah, just a wonderful tool to work with under, under guidance. Exactly. And then you mentioned a book. Do you remember the title of it? If not, I can, we can link it. it. Uh, it's a green book. Yeah. I know, but I'm not, yeah, it's not on top of my Okay. Head. We'll look, yeah, we'll look it up and include it in the show notes. Um, beautiful. So where are you based now? Can you, is there a way for people to work with you now what's the best way to reach out to you so satyalights.com and at satyalights on instagram i think instagram is the only uh, social media platform that i use on a regular basis and i do um create uh, a lot of content uh that is um you know, like present with me and with my contemplations and with my clients in the space. And like, you know, like I really tune into those energies and then create content with them. And right now, currently, I'm actually opening a um, three-month container with women. It's called I Am That Woman. And it is a, you know, like, and you're very familiar with the, with the practice. So it's going to be a beautiful sisterhood and healing and embodiment, feminine embodiment container that um, really excites me. That's my highest excitement in this moment. And and then I continue my one-on-one work with people. It's like really uh, depending on the, you know, like the cases and circumstances, like there's, uh, we build specific um, programs for um, specific, you know, like needs. So, um, yeah, like these are the ways in which to work with me one-on-one in like this new upcoming group, uh, program. And I also have an online community. It's the call the call. It's called the portal. So um, we do create, uh, content and we have meetings and it's like really cultivating community in this day and age. Yes, it is online, but we're on the way. Yeah. I participated in one of your group online, um, cohorts I, I think it was about six weeks yes. long I am that and it was such an amazing experience for me I you know it was beautiful you incorporated 
various modalities, even just like hypnotherapy, opening our heart, various practices, and then sharing in the space. And after that process, I I was like, I need to work with this one one on one because I was moving through a very big transition period where I in my work and my transitioning out of my role uh, in conventional medicine mm. as a pediatric orthopedic surgeon and you know, both you and I were exploring psychedelic medicines for all of these years. And it was, I was getting to a point where, you know, I was um, getting to a fork in the road, it felt like to me. And I had a lot of confusion and was craving a lot of clarity. And it was amazing. We didn't do combos together, but even just working one-on-one in that virtual container where we would meet for an hour and a half or two hours every other week, um, I was able to really open up the clarity for myself about which direction my heart was calling me. And here we are. I'm so happy to be here with you. This podcast (laughs) manifested. Oh, we talked about this, but we manifested that. I remember, and even before I came into this, um, you know, like the recording. It's like, oh, I remember where where we first, like where I actually first intuited this was going to happen. And here we are. It's happening. Right now I'm in L.A., but then like when we were having this conversation, I was in Turkey. Yeah. And it really opened up my eyes to the possibilities of how potent and deep work can be even just virtually in those in that kind of container. Mm. And um, the support you provided me over that, we created a six-month container working together and it was the best investment I could have ever Mm -hmm. made. And I'm constantly, you know, whenever people are reaching out to me with similar, you know, working through similar things, I I do recommend you. Um, But even if, um, even just if you can drop into the portal community or another group container, it's just so, I can't recommend working with you Mm -hmm. enough. Um, and, uh, it, it really has been, yeah, an honor and a privilege. And I'm so grateful that you share your medicine with the world, that you, the way that you've really stepped up to share and you, the consistency with which you show up, that was what was so apparent to me and really aspirational because it's so clear that you have done and continue to do the work on yourself. And I am always saying for anybody who's looking to move into facilitator work, that the number one most important thing is yeah. to do your own work. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so clear that you do that. And uh, yeah, even just the concept of coaching, I think, can be relatively foreign for a lot of um, you know people like myself who are working in healthcare or physicians or healthcare professionals. But it really, there really is nothing like having that person to hold you in that particular space. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just can't, I can't recommend it highly enough yeah. for people. And I want to like really add into that because, you know, like no matter how far we go into our explorations of self, there's a, you know, like a, a blind spot. And when we're working with someone, the other person is really holding that mirror to us, like the clear reflection. It's that's the reason it's really important. Like who we are working with are these people really doing their work so that they can actually be a clear mirror and hold that for me, hold that space for me. So like, you know, um, if anyone listening is like considering going into coaching and all that, like there's a, you know, like you should, you guys should ask questions like, what is this person actually, how, how do they live their lives? And 
you know, um, yeah. And then from that place, like you can discern if they can, you know, like there's this like um, alignment, like if there's that alignment, trust yourself also. Yeah. Mm -hmm, totally. It really is a decision that's made off of a feeling, mm. I believe. And um, what's beautiful about a platform like Instagram or any of these other kind of social media sites, I believe, is that you can you can get to know someone by seeing how they share. And um, and if a particular you'll just resonate with a particular person in a way that is almost on a soul level. Yeah. And, you know, you're meant to work with this person at this particular point in your life and you'll feel the calling, the pull to do that. And um, and that's that's for me how it's unfolded when we met in Los Angeles and we were working with our coaches there. And then when I worked with you. And so um, that that's really how the discernment piece is key. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. I will share your Instagram handle, your website, and uh, yeah, keep it. Well, this needs to be something that we do again at some point oh. in the future. We'll reconnect because the medicine you share is just so beautiful. Mm, and I just want to thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Tracy. Hello, beautiful people. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do hit that subscribe button. And as always, leaving a like or a comment, sharing or leaving a review, all of that is so, so appreciated as we help to grow the podcast. And if you are interested in learning more about my work as a psilocybin facilitator and integrative wellness physician, please do visit my website at www.aluciahealth.com. That's Elusia, E-L-E-U-S-I-A, health.com.